Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. <clears throat> uh, we have a number of events that's coming up over the next couple of weeks. And one of the most significant events of the year for young men is uh, the Seattle Breakfast Group's uh, Taiwan on occasion. It will be happening on the 21st of April. And we have the, one of the gentlemen we're waiting for, uh, President Emeritus uh, Dunst, Ernie Dunstan to join us. But we have uh, Dr. James Carter, who is, uh, I guess, as Ernie say, he is the uh, uh, the person that's leading this whole charge with uh, the students. And we do have uh, 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 students on with us right now. We have uh, Miles uh, Damon, who is a Garfield High School senior, and he's looking to go into about five or six different colleges next year, which is great. Christian Damon is in the ninth grade at Aki Karos Middle School. And he'll be headed for Garfield as well. And they're on in the program that's headed up by Dr. James Carter. And uh, Dr. James Carter is the executive director of the Seattle Breakfast Group's Affairs Committee. And this is probably one of his responsibilities. So I wanted to see uh, if you could, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Carter, go right ahead and give our listening audience a little background about about uh, about the program you're uh, running right now. Sure. So uh, in with, with the breakfast group, uh, I'm in charge of the educational programs. Uh, currently, we have uh, Project Mister. We have our career connected learning. And then we also have a digital stewards program. Uh, the event that we have coming up next Friday is the Taiwan On event. It's a motivational event for our young black and brown boys. Uh, our goal is to make sure that we are providing service and, and uh, mentoring to our black and brown boys and girls in the Seattle community. But we are unapologetically focused on our young black and brown boys because they are furthest from educational equity and digital justice. So we want to make sure that we are there to provide mentoring and any assistance that we can to help them on their journey into adulthood. Now, how many schools, what schools are you working with and uh, how many people do you have working with you? Gotcha. So uh, we're currently in six schools. We work at Cleveland High School, Franklin High School, Garfield High School, Rainier Beach High School, Roosevelt High School, and Rainier Valley Leadership Academy, all within the Seattle area. Uh, I currently have uh, four instructors working with me. Uh, the four instructors are, are working at our primary schools, which are Cleveland, Franklin, Garfield, and Rainier Beach. And then I teach classes at both uh, Rainier Valley Leadership Academy and Roosevelt. And that's part of the curriculum that's been adopted by the school, Seattle School District? Yes. Okay, that's that's great. Uh, tell me, what kind of, uh, do you see a significant difference in the young man that's involved uh, in your program as the ones that are not involved? So the one thing that I see or that I see as an advantage is, is that the, the breakfast group has been uh, working in the Seattle area with our young black and brown boys uh, since their inception in 1976. Uh, I I joined the organization and and took over, started working for the organization in 2017. And the biggest uh, benefit that I can see since I've been on board is, is that the opportunity for networking, the opportunity for job shadowing, internships, uh, and, and careers, in addition to our young men being accepted into trade school, two-year colleges, and four-year universities, all of that has increased since I've been a part of the program. Um, initially, we started off with Project Mister, and uh, since 
since I've joined, we've we've added three more programs, which give us the opportunity to work with a wider berth of students. So not only are we serving ninth through 12th grade, but we're also starting to work with our career connected learning with our seventh and eighth grade. We're trying to get them prepared for high school and then a, a little guidance on their journey through high school on the way to college. Well, let's go and uh, talk to let's go since Miles is an older brother. Uh, Miles uh, Damon, I would like to, and I, first of all, I want to thank their father, Donnell Damon, for having both Miles and Christian on the line today and in the program as well. But uh, Miles, why don't you uh, share some of your experiences about that program and about uh, your time at the doghouse at Garfield? That's I'm a I'm an alumni of Garfield. Absolutely, yes, yes. Uh, my time at Garfield and within the program has been amazing. You know, it's it's a uh, been an experience, one I could couldn't ask for from anywhere else. You know, um, coming over to Garfield and just having the experience to you know be embraced by their program, just being embraced by the um, culture and community that they had built over there and installed for years and the years ahead of me. It was just a, a blessing, and I, that's truly what I could ask for. So that was just one that um, you know a decision that I could definitely say I was thankful for. Now, I understand that you will be going on to college, right? Correct. Next fall. So have you narrowed that down? What colleges are you looking at? There's multiple colleges. As of right now, I'm still playing uh, basketball for FOH's unsigned senior team. So I'm uh, still out there. I still got some decisions to make as far as where I'm going. But uh, still giving coaches the opportunity to continue to look at me and uh, continue to look at my game and uh, see what an amazing kid I am. But uh as of right now, I have some uh, local colleges as far as Idaho, uh, Northern Idaho, Bellevue College, as far as the, the JUCOs and some uh, another prep schools. But, um, yeah, right now, just uh, making sure I can continue working and putting in as much work before the summertime before I can make a decision. Well, well, the Huskies need some help, don't they? Man, absolutely. Man, you telling me. Okay, well, I don't know. Personally, I think uh, Brandon Roy would uh... – Take the team, uh, that team school to another heights in terms of the basketball. But anyway, uh, keep praying for him. So uh, now we also have uh, uh, Christian uh, uh, Damon on the line with us as well. Uh, now you're in the ninth grade, sir. No, I'm actually in the eighth grade. On oh, the eighth grade, okay. I didn't put you up a year already on Facebook and everywhere else. Okay, I thought Aki Carosa was sixth, seventh, and eighth as middle school, right? Yes. Okay, but you'll be going to the ninth grade. Now, does Garfield have ninth grade now? Yeah. See, back in the day when I went to Garfield, you had to go, many in Washington were our primary schools, and we had to go through seventh, eighth, and ninth grade at junior, at, at, at uh, they didn't call it middle school, it was junior high school. Oh. Go right ahead. So uh, what, what got you involved in the program? I know it must have been your big brother and your dad probably, but what, what got you involved in the program, Miles? I mean, Christian, I'm sorry. I'm not, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not too sure. It just seeing what it did. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like seeing the impact it's made on people. Okay, well, I'm going to have to correct this thing. I put you in the ninth grade. So um, what, what, what would you tell young guys your age about the program? Would you encourage them to, to get involved? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. And when what subjects do you like most in school? I like writing, reading, and science. Well, that's, that's pretty broad. So you, you, I think Garfield has a 
advanced placement program there that you would sound like you would fit right into it when you get there. So that's yeah, that's yeah. good. So James, let's talk about some of the people who are involved. We know that Ernie Dunstan, I said, is a, uh, the president emeritus mm -hmm. uh, that been involved for a very long time. Matter of fact, I was with one of the groups that started up the breakfast group back in the in 75, 76. So uh, tell us about some of the people that you're working with and also uh, let us know how people who are listening to this program can also get involved or lend a hand. Because we do have some some people, if they have an idea and see something happening that's positive, they want to jump on board and use their energy and their talents uh, in that regard, especially helping younger folks. So why don't you share that with us? Sure. So I'll start off with a couple of our uh, leaders. Uh, we have a Mr. Mr. Amani Harris, who's the president of the Breakfast Group now. A uh, very energetic young man who has been working with the organization for well over five years. Uh, our vice president is uh, Dr. John German. Uh, Dr. German is a retired principal from the Seattle Public Schools. Uh, he has been one of the leading members of the organization as well. As a matter of fact, I think he's close to being one of the founding members. And uh, we have uh, Mr. Bob Luciano. We have uh, Dan Hudson. We have uh, 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 several other members, uh, uh, Jim Yearby. Um, you know, of course, as I'm sitting here trying to talk and think of the names, you know, they're sk skipping right off the top of my head. But but for those who I don't mention, uh, we have a great volunteer base of Black men, African-Americans from the community who are working as part of the organization, not only volunteering their time uh, administration-wise, but then also speaking in the classrooms uh, sub as subject matter experts to students in regards to different career fields. Uh, one of our members, Andre Taylor, uh, is an award-winning member who uh, has his own business uh, in the community and talks to our young men about entrepreneurship and about the skills necessary for success. Uh, we also have men come in and talk to the students about college readiness, career enhancement, skills for success, and uh, financial matters. Uh, we, we talk to the students about financial literacy as well. And our push to, to work more with the young ladies in the community, uh, one of the things that we've been working on is our career-connected learning. You know, the one thing that COVID has done is it has... Uh, uh, it's 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 put us one or two steps behind in the education game, um, and so what we need to do is we need to reach back not just to our young freshmen but our seventh and eighth graders, and we need to get them energized into learning and preparing themselves for high school and then what comes after high school. So uh, we we get them to look at selecting up to three careers. And then we have subject matter experts come in and talk to the students about those careers. Uh, in addition, we try to schedule uh, job shadowing. We also try to schedule uh, internships for the students as, as well as for those students who are, who are of age. Um, at the end of the day, the organization has been geared and working towards getting our young people prepared for college, uh, business, entrepreneurship, but most importantly, educational success. And uh, in terms of uh, once uh, the, the young men leave out of the uh, and they go on to college, do you have any kind of follow up with them? Is there any kind of college tour that's, that's uh, put together? 
Is there so, any interaction between the United Negro College Fund and the Breakfast Group? Sure. So our, our goal is to make sure that we have the opportunity to have the students keep in contact with us and to reach back. Uh, so in, for the young men sending them off to college, we have our All Achievers Awards program where we have the opportunity to award scholarships to our uh, selected young men who are doing well in high school and moving on to, again, either trade school, two-year university, or four-year college. The importance of us keeping in touch with these young men is that these are our future breakfast group members. You know, the breakfast group is comprised of men who organized and formed in 1976. And some of those members are still with us, still part of the organization today. But in order for the breakfast group to be solvent in 2025, 2030, 2050, we have to continue to make a concerted effort to reach out to the young men who have been part of the program and to encourage them once they have completed their education, uh, once they're in the workforce, to come back and talk to some of our young men and women as subject matter experts, as mentors, as, as volunteers. And so uh, today we had a breakfast group meeting today. And our guest speaker uh, was actually a young man that uh, participated in the program about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, he'll, he has spoken at our Taiwan On event. As a matter of fact, he will be there this next week and will speak as well. Uh, we have a gentleman who worked on the, uh, I'm about to say Chicago Police Department. That's where I worked. Uh, on the Seattle Police Department, who were part of the program, uh, we have uh, some, uh, some folks who've worked from Turner Construction. Je uh, Je uh, Jebediah uh, has worked with Turner Construction. He's now an entrepreneur in the community, um, and, uh, and and several others. Again, it's our Gardner Global, right? Yes, yes, Gardner <laughs> Global, definitely. Yeah, I've had him as a guest on this program before. Too, he's an outstanding young man, dynamic young man, yes, dynamic yes. young brother. Um, the goal again. The, the way for us to bring in members, not only our folks who are transplants who come into the community, folks who have grown up and have lived in the community, but more importantly, our young black and brown boys who have, have, have grown up, have been mentored. It's an opportunity for them to come and to give back uh, some of the lessons that they've learned to help them be successful to the young brothers who are in school right now. I want to see if, uh, if Christian has any comment he'd like to make at this point. Because we want to encourage all the eighth graders at Aki Carosa and all the other schools to, to aspire to be where you are right now. So you're on Facebook and now you're on radio. And two hours after this program is over, you'll be on Alexa for the next week. And then you'll be on my on my website for a year. So uh, leave, give us some words. Uh, I would really encourage people to join the, the breakfast group. To help people come aboard and to get involved. Because I see it as like a, I see it like a family, and it's very inspiring for me. Well, that's very, that's a good perspective for eighth grader. Yeah, you, yeah, you'll be doing well in the advanced placement program at Garfield. I can tell that already. Uh, okay, uh, older brother Miles, you have any any comments you'd like to make? Man, as far as just to piggyback off what Christian said, more so that it's like a family and that I would just encourage all kids my age and younger to get involved and to, um, you know, poke their head around and just to explore about uh, with things like this as far as getting into uh, 
groups and uh, families like this and cultures where they could build their self up and help others build their self up as well. So it's definitely something that I would en- encourage uh, young black men and African-Americans to get involved with. Definitely can help with schooling and just becoming a man yourself and finding who you want to be. So definitely would encourage everybody to join all ages. The, the Dr. Carter, I need you to give up the information on how people can get access to information uh, on uh, uh, on the Breakfast Group. Sure. So we have our website. It's called thebreakfastgroup.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, by either looking up The Breakfast Group or Project Minister. We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, I can also provide my email address. That's going to be james at Project Mr. Mr. Completely spelled out dot org. James at Project dot org. And I can send out some information to you. Uh, if you type in Taiwan on Seattle Breakfast Group, Taiwan on, that should take you to some information in regards to the event that's coming up Friday, April 21st at 11 a.m. Uh, again, we're going to be at the Fairmont Olympic Hotel. That's 411 University Avenue in Seattle, downtown. It's our opportunity to take young black and brown boys. Uh, they have lunch at a five-star hotel. We have captains of industry. We have lawyers, doctors, uh, 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 engineers, uh, folks who work with uh, computers, entrepreneurs come in and mentor the young men. Uh, In addition, the motivational part of the event is that each young man is given a tie and are taught how to tie the tie. Um, Look, I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you to hold on for one minute. Eric, can we take a quick break? I need you to hold on with me. Sure. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, Visit us at soundtransit.org. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Okay, 
Hey, Eddie Wright, back at Urban Forum Northwest with my guest, Dr. James Carter, Christian and Miles Damon. And I want to thank uh, Mr. Donnell Damon, the father, for uh, arranging for them to be on today. Some people thought it'd be bad because oh, kids won't be available. This is going to be spring break. I said, this is the best time because they, they will be available. And uh, it's a good thing it's not raining so they can see some sunshine for the next couple of days. But anyway, I just want to thank you and thank you for all the work that you guys are doing. And uh, is there any comments you'd like to give when departing Dr. Carter or Christian or Miles? So the one thing that I'd like to do is just sort of reiterate to what uh, Miles stated in regards to joining the organization and our young black and brown boys uh, being a part of an organization like this. You know, we there are so many negative images and stereotypes of young black and brown young men. Um, we really work to help our young men overcome those barriers because of that. Uh, the opportunity for them to be engaged in something during the school day with instructors and mentors who look like them uh, is something that's really encouraging and is something that's really forthcoming. I have to to give uh, kudos to uh, Mr. Damon for his assistance uh, in the Seattle Public Schools. I definitely want to thank the members of the breakfast group, all of the volunteers, uh, President Amani Harris, uh, Dr. German, and our President Emeritus, uh, uh, Ernie Dunstan, and and to the young men who are part of the program who show up in school every day and help out. So I uh, definitely want to say thank you to Christian and Miles. All right. So thank you guys for being here today. And like I said, uh, you are on Facebook. And uh, so when you go back to school, you got something to pump your chest out about. So thank you guys very much for the day. Appreciate you. Man, no, thank you for having us again. Okay. Thank you, Christian. Wow. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, no. Okay. Uh, my next guest is a co-convener of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King uh, Commemoration Committee. And we represent uh, or try to acknowledge anything about Martin Luther King Jr. because we live in Martin Luther King Jr. County. So uh, I'm one co-convener. Haywood Evans is the other co-convener. Uh, last uh, last Tuesday, April 4th, was the 55th anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's amazing how things are happening in Tennessee right now uh, with Justin and Justin. Said so no Justins, no peace. But Haywood, uh, hey, why don't you just give the folks a little overview of what transpired on uh, the Day of Remembrance? that was held at Holgate Street Church of Christ last Tuesday, April 4th. Well, I thank you for having me on, Eddie, on your show. You know, it was an absolutely fantastic event for those people who, who missed it. Uh, let me start off. The, the event began uh, with the reception. We ate first. Let me just be straight up about it. And the food was from Jamal, right? Jamil. Jamil, Jamil excuse me, Jamil. Jamil's catering, I'm, I'm throwing out there and giving him a 10. We had so many compliments and how great his food is. He cooks occasion kind of Creole dishes, absolutely excellent. The mayor was there. He enjoyed it. Representatives from Dow Constantine's office enjoyed it. And if you would have been there with these other people, 100, around 100 people, they absolutely loved the food. Uh, after we uh, had a chance to eat, because remember, people just getting off work. The program started at 5.30. So folks are getting off work. We know they're hungry, right, Eddie? We know they're hungry. So we made sure they ate. When the program began, uh, it started uh, with beautiful Josephine uh, Howell. You got it. You, every, everybody knows her. Absolutely magnificent voice. Beautiful to do our national black anthem. Then the mayor spoke. 
And he talked about how great it is that we recognize the day of remembrance to remember those folks locally who participated in the civil rights movement. Because remember, we stand on the shoulders of those folks who've gone before us. These are the people, a lot of them who passed away are the ones who elevated Dr. King up to who he became national as a national figure. These are the local figures we need to remember because there's so many people, the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee believes, there's so many people and, and significant activities that have happened here in our community that people forget about. Somebody dies and, oh, we forget. No, no, no. Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee, April 4th, it will be an official King County holiday, not a day off though, but a King County holiday just to remember, remember all those loved ones in your life who passed away. Okay, granted, they might not have been on the front line of the civil rights movement, but they were on the front line of the movement to get you to where you are and who you are today. So April 4th, the day Dr. King was assassinated in all places, Eddie, just like you said, Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. And we live in Martin Luther King Jr. County, too. That's other we should we have to take the lead on things relevant to Martin Luther King Jr. And, and, in fact, um, uh, the next uh, e big event is August 28th, which is the 60th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington, where Dr. King gave his I Have a Dream speech, and where the next year we got civil rights, and the year after that we got voting rights, and now they're all under attack. And I, I believe it was 1961, he came to Seattle and he spoke at Garfield High School. Right. Assemblies. Uh, Car at uh, at Carver Gayton, who was there with him? And, and at, Eagles, at the Eagles Auditorium, because uh, the large white church downtown refused to let him even after they made an agreement with Reverend McKinney, they rescinded on their agreement because uh, they didn't want uh, Dr. King to speak there, but uh, it just did him a favor because the crowds were everywhere. It's almost like what happened to the Justins and Justin down in, in Tennessee. Yes. You know, they thought they were doing something for bad and they ended up being for, for good. And then it turns out that the Speaker of the House don't even live in his own district. You so, know, inter interestingly, you know, Tennessee is the state the Ku Klux Klan started. That's right. Tennessee was the state that the uh, that the vice president came from, who took over for President Johnson. That was Andrew Johnson, who mm -hmm. moved all the troops out of the South. He's the one who entered Reconstruction, came right out of Tennessee, of all places. Something about that big T, Eddie. I don't know. Well, you know uh, the other uh, person, the Justice, that went twenty-seven years old. I think uh, Julian Bond was about that age when they refused to seat him. And, and he got elected to the Georgia House, and they refused to seat him, had to go all the way to U.S. Supreme Court, and the, the Supreme Court justices ruled in his favor. Yeah, but it's a good thing, it's a different Supreme Court then, because we don't know what might have happened today. And, you know, the issue is that we still have to stand up today and fight for our rights. Come on, at what percent, less than 1% of, of the contracts went to, went to people of color combined? Is that right in the state? <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what on, agency please. reported, not my numbers, theirs. But I, I would like to, I'm going to digress for one second. On the April 4th event, senior pastor Jimmy Hurd got the Community Leadership Award. Well-deserved to senior pastor Jimmy Hurd. And thank you, uh, uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend Paul Bishop. Benz, DD. Yeah, Paul Benz, yeah, and also Bishop Reggie Witherspoon Sr. was the speaker. Hey, and also I want to have Butch Harrison and Chandler Williams also did a good job too, especially having uh, some, some musical entertainment after people ate and moved into the sanctuary, that that was absolutely great too. So, but oh, they, that was yeah. fantastic! I want to thank a uh, uh, butler from the church, William Butler, because he helped with the electronics, and then yeah. uh, uh, 
uh, Roger, uh, Roger Evans did an excellent, excellent video of people who passed away in the civil rights movement here locally. If y'all didn't see his video, it's absolutely fantastic. And we're gonna have to show it again. It well, you know, the, uh, that whole event is on, a, is on the MLKCC website. Uh, and I want to thank Tony Benton and the gang from Rainier Avenue Radio World for also streaming the event live. And that, that event is on uh, all of, they have about, I think, four different uh, outlets that they use. And that, that event from April April 4th is available on their website and their, their outlets as well. So uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad you said that to the listenership. You you missed a great program. I think you should go ahead and tune in and watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it was, be very, it was very educational. And I think, you know, you would enjoy hearing Bishop Reggie's uh, presentation uh, all over again. And uh, we also want to thank, you know, some people that helped make this possible, too. I don't know if everybody sent their check in yet or not, but, you know, I want to thank uh, 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 the county executive's office for their contribution. I got an email from uh, Tara Smith at DES. Uh, I thank the Port of Seattle through that office of uh, Ms. Bupta's office. Uh, I think uh, they're supposed to also make a contribution. And uh, our fiscal agent is the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, which means that your contributions are tax deductible. Uh, we also have support from Mike Flood and the Seattle Seahawks. And we are still waiting to hear from a few of our other organizations who are going to uh, kick in with us. Hayward, are you frozen now? Yeah, I think I think Hayward is 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 frozen up on me, uh, uh, Eric. But while he does, and we wait for Congressman Benny Thompson to to join us, um, hopefully at the right time. But anyway, you know I've had a, a lot of folks have been talking about reparations uh, for the past several years, and I just want to remind people that if you're going to be serious about reparations for African descendants of the United States enslaved, you have to start right now. So if affirmative action is being challenged, what good are we really talking about? Reparations means that there should be a, at every federal agency, there should be a designation for African descendants of United States enslaved. There should be a set aside of contracts, local and federal, for African descendants of United States enslaved. Uh, if we don't have that access now, reparations doesn't mean a whole lot. If you're serious about reparations, then there should be action taken right now. Uh, we look at the income gap between blacks and whites and other uh, individuals of color. And, 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 and we're, we're at the, almost at the bottom rung of that ladder. Uh, so if we're serious about reparations, we need to be take action right now. We should not wait. Uh, there should be a federal designation uh, uh, for African descendants of the United States enslaved. Uh, so that would be a, a separate category. It have, would have nothing to do with the minority business program. Uh, that could continue. But uh, if we're talking about reparations, we have to have some specifically designated for African descendants of the United States enslaved. If we don't, all we're doing is talking about stuff that is pie in the sky. It will never happen. Uh, the other thing we need to look at, too, is that if you read our history, which some people don't want to read, uh, you will find out anytime there was a black atrocity and black folks were lynched or burned out of their property, they lost the property. So we can't talk about reparations unless we talk about also giving some of the land back. 
Uh, we saw a good example of that uh, in Los Angeles, the Manhattan Beach property that a family had owned that were uh, ran off of. Uh, they end up selling the property back uh, for $10 million. I think some of the houses on that beach were worth $10 million. So there are some things that we can do that need that needs to happen like right now. Uh, I know people don't want to talk about uh, our history as being critical race theory, but when uh, Governor Ron DeSantis' great-great-grandfather sailed by about a Statue of Liberty in 1904, African-Americans had already contributed a significant uh, amount of blood, sweat, and tears. And some people say, oh, you Blacks, you want something for nothing. Well, I say you can start by paying me for 254 years of, of slavery labor and also marginalized labor. So if we want to talk about uh, having a situation where we really have uh, uh, equity and fairness in this country, then we have to really start there. So Eric, we're going to take another break and hope we can hook our other folks back up. Sunny. Yesterday my life was filled with rain Sunny You smiled at me and really eased the pain Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny one so true I love you Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. I want to thank uh, Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office with me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Josie Reagan, uh, the City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services Department, uh, Carol Wong, uh, Mark Nakarara, and Carmen Krasinski, and also uh, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, 
uh, with Allie Smith. I know they got a new director. I'm going to meet her pretty soon, but I know that uh, Allison Smith and Nikki Chai are still there. <clears throat> and we're still waiting to hopefully get uh, Congressman Benny Thompson on. We know that he's down taking care of the floods. As a matter of fact, I've been coordinating some uh, uh, messages between Spencer Haywood, who is now in Poland for the 75th anniversary of the Holocaust over there. We'll be back in town, but he's from uh, Silver City, Mississippi. So he has a vested interest in uh, seeing the town rebuilt. And he's going to try to hook up the National Basketball Association, the NBA, to put up some of them billions of dollars into helping some black folks and other poor folks in Mississippi in his hometown. And Slick Watts is from uh, Roland Fork, Mississippi. So we had two of the Sonics from Mississippi. It could have been more. So, uh, <clears throat> but uh, going back to, to Hayward, Hayward Evans, uh, we were just talking about the event that we had on, and also having folks rededicate and recommit themselves. Uh, I tell you right now, after I've seen what's happened to women, oh, guess what? Congressman Benny Thompson, how are you doing, sir? All right, how are you doing today, Brother Rye? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I was just talking about Spencer Haywood and uh, you just a second ago. So uh, I, I know that, you know, you've been extremely busy uh, taking care of the devastation that occurred from the hurricanes down in uh, Mississippi. So you want to comment on that first and then talk about what's the craziness, the craziness going on the other, on the other side of the, the aisle back in D.C.? Well, yeah, I, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I'm able to get on. As you know, um, two weeks ago, we had uh, devastating tornadoes uh, that ravaged the Mississippi Delta, uh, which is where a lot of the black folk in Mississippi live. And so uh, right now, we're in the process of uh, putting uh, um, the pieces back together. As you know, as you said, Spencer Haywood is a, a, a native of of Silver City, uh, Muddy Water, uh, is a native of Rolling Fork, Mississippi. So there's a lot of history of people who hail from that area. And a lot of them have started uh, the process of seeing how can I be helpful. So uh, we appreciate them, uh, and we're working through the business. Uh, the one thing that uh, I think your listeners will be uh, uh happy to hear is that the debris removal contract in Silver City, Mississippi is going to a black female-owned company. Uh, that same company has a joint venture the debris removal contract in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. So uh, even in a disaster, there's opportunity. And so we're working with the local leaders to make sure that as we roll out the help, that local people are being employed and companies owned by people of color have an opportunity uh, to participate. Uh, so, you know, we're working through it. We're looking at housing opportunities. But for now, uh, the broader uh, community has stepped up in a big way. Uh, we're looking at, to be honest with you, uh, three to five year uh, back to what we uh, looked like before uh, the tornadoes. So it's it's a significant work in progress. We have about 600 people living 
in motels up to 70 miles from their home. And, and, and so uh, we are putting the logistics together. Uh, kids have been out of school for two weeks. Hopefully they will start back tomorrow, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's iffy only because of the distance involved. And so we will probably work through some of them going to school districts where the motel happened to be. So, uh, but we're working it thanks to your listeners and the religious community, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, we had uh, brothers from Houston, Texas, who heard about it on Friday night, who drove all night Friday night and stayed a whole week uh, in Rolling Fork, Mississippi, uh, uh, just saying, doing whatever we could do, sleeping in their trucks. And so it's been that kind of pulling together of the community. So uh, uh, we will come back better. But obviously, it will be a long, uh, uh, arduous task uh, uh, in that process. And and the president's been down there and, and has given uh, his uh, support, right? Yeah, from all the federal agencies. Uh, we uh, we had uh, the president come uh, to Rolling Fork uh, a, a week ago, uh, and what he did, given the dynamics and devastation uh, uh, of the tornadoes. He waived the match requirement that local communities uh, generally have to come up with. Uh, so that 25% uh, is no longer uh, a burden on the local government. And so it's a 100% federal response. And, and you know, we lost, unfortunately, uh, 23 people in the uh, tornado three in one family, uh, mm. but uh, we are uh, moving back uh, slowly but surely, uh, and we'll be back better uh, uh, with new housing, uh, housing supported by the various federal agencies, whether it's uh, HUD, USDA, uh, 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 whatever. Uh, we're putting the packages together, and in um, all those communities, the NAACP has been a partner with us. Uh, we are holding the Red Cross uh, feet to the fire uh, to do uh, what's expected of them and not cherry pick who they help or where they locate. And uh, so, you know, we, we're on the case, and, and we'll just continue to do just that. And, and well, I know, I know. If, if, if you're down there, you're gonna definitely be on the case. And uh, I'm just, I'm just happy that uh, the response has been because it was it such. Looks, I mean, I never seen devastation like that before. So, like you said, it's not gonna be an overnight event. It's gonna take three to five years. But you do have a good friend as the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, though, in Marsha Pudge. Absolutely, facts about it. She was there on the ground uh, with President Biden and myself when he came down. So mm -hmm. there's no better uh, advocate for relief uh, when the person who runs the agency is there, uh, who talked to the families, who, who talked to the local officials, uh, you know, who basically 
uh, almost still in a daze given the devastation. And, and, you know, there's one hospital in this entire county, and it's offline right now. So they are moving patients, you know, 7,500 miles away. And, and so it's still a logistical challenge just given the fragility of the community. But, you know, they're resilient. Uh, and and I, I compliment uh, all the, the, the local uh, uh, people who decided uh, that uh, uh, we're going to not be defeated by this devastation. And so uh, uh, we move, and, and uh, all the people who contacted saying, what can I do, uh, uh, you know, it's it's an effort uh, that that is going well, but like I said, uh, uh, right, it, it's going to be uh, mm-hmm. uh, about at a minimum three to five years, I and mean, it's mm-hmm. it, there's no downtown area left in this community. So we're going to have to rebuild the commercial area, uh, the business community, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately. Uh, 85% of the housing stock is is uh, damaged, uh, if not uh, uh, just destroyed. So we we have some work to do, and, and uh, so if you stay tuned, you you'll hear more about some more detailed efforts around housing. Mm-hmm. Well, I did see Derek Johnson standing behind you guys when you were being interviewed. Uh, the national NAACP president, former Mississippi state president of the NAACP. So I saw he. I know that he was down there because that's his well, home absolutely. area as well. Uh, as I indicated, uh, NAACP has been one of the uh, validators in this whole uh, response and recovery effort. Uh, so we now have NAACP members uh, in, embedded within the Red Cross to make sure that the help is equitable uh, and, and, and approachable by people uh, who are impacted. Uh, we have a, 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 the, the recovery center is located in an area where uh, everybody's comfortable with. So, you know, there have been some challenges, but we've gotten through it. And, and like I said, NAACP has been a significant partner uh, in this effort and, and we look forward to that partnership continuing Derek Johnson uh, has been Johnny on the spot uh, uh, with uh, the national NAACP our state chapter president is, is there so so we're moving and, mm. and but again just uh, it takes time it takes time now I'm going to change subjects right quick <clears throat> Uh, are you surprised that uh, Alvin Bragg, the uh, a district attorney in Manhattan, is getting these death threats? Not at all. You know, given uh, uh, the Donald Trump that uh, I'm familiar with, who, as you know, my committee looked at him, the January 6th select committee, uh, made four recommendations uh, about his conduct. Uh, I'm clear that there are some sick people out here uh, who take him literally uh, at what he's saying, that does put uh, not only District Attorney Bragg, but his entire family, 
and staff uh, uh, in a harm's way, uh, because these are the times that we live in now. Uh, anytime you uh, uh, impose your picture and the district attorney's picture with you holding a bat, you know, that's, you know, well, it's dangerous, but it's imbecilic, too, that somebody who's a former president of the United States would, would, would lower the dignity of that office to that level. And, and so that's what we have to have. And as you know, all this craziness, he just r- continues to raise money. And there are some folk out here, uh, uh, you know, you raise $5 million off of getting indicted. And uh, uh, so, so look, uh, all I can say is I trust the New York uh, 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 Police Department can protect uh, all the parties concerned. Uh, I'm bothered that uh, the, the voices uh, on the Republican side, uh, uh, there's a deafening silence as to uh, what's going on. If Eddie Wright or Benny Thompson would make those kind of allegations against a local official, uh, you could bet there will be a knock at the door. Uh, and so, look, uh, I, I looked for 18 months at uh, the Trump administration and what they did on January 6th, I am convinced that he's a clear and present danger to this country. Uh, his social media postings uh, are dangerous. Uh, and, and, you know, he's just using people. He's the puppet master uh, personified. And, and so what we have to do is to uh, understand who he is, organize, and ultimately uh, every election. Uh, let's turn the rascals out and, and elect good people. And, and so that's our mission. But we can't be silent when somebody like Donald Trump is trying to... to I mean, this is a district attorney, uh, and not... Not a, uh, not a, a, a assistant U.S. attorney. He's a state officer doing his job, and now he's trying to to uh, forbid him uh, from doing his job by doing what he's saying. And and now, as you know, he just filed his lawsuit against Michael Cohen, uh, who got convicted <laughs> in the Stormy Daniels situation. And, and just sued him for some ungodly number. And so we just have to be vigilant. Uh, uh, thank goodness for radio shows like, like yours that will uh, tell the truth uh, uh, and, and lay it out and call it like it is. Uh, because God forbid, uh, uh, look at Fox uh, TV. They knew the election had not been uh, stolen. Uh, they knew Joe Biden had won, but they kept pushing that false narrative. So that's why programs like yours are so important to establishing uh, the true record of what's going on rather than a fabricated record. 
Well, I'll tell you, it's been mind-boggling to see some of this information that's passed that was available at Fox uh, as they went on and continued to uh, uh, spew out those lies they were making about uh, the election and stuff. And uh, I just hope Dominion do what they need to do to them. I hope they get a just verdict and make them pay for what they've done because, I mean, it's just absolutely harmful for what they've done and then misleading the entire country. But then just, what, just recently... Uh, uh, former President Trump received accolades to the leader of North Korea and China. Yeah, and, 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 and Russia. So, you know, this notion is that uh, somebody who was president of the greatest democracy uh, known to man would be an admirer of three of the worst uh, uh, leaders in countries uh, and we've ever seen. So that shows you uh, the only thing he understands is that if I got the power, I use it, and I try to keep it any way I can. Part of trying to keep it any way I can was what occurred on January 6th. Mm. If those individuals had succeeded, but right, uh, we would have been in one hell of a situation, but thank goodness they didn't. But for all intents and purposes, if we could not do our duties as members of Congress and certify the election, it would have been a challenge. Well, uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, <clears throat> you did us all proud by chairing the January 6th commission that unveiled, unveiled everything. And uh, folks, uh, I guess, rediscovering what you guys have already put forth but I really do thank you for taking time out today from all the work you have to do in Mississippi and back on, on the Hill in Washington, D.C. So I just want to thank you very much for your time today. And I look forward to seeing you in Tunica, I hope, uh, in August, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. All right. Okay. And I also want to thank my co-convener, Hayward Evans, for hanging in on the program with us today, giving a report back on what we did on uh, April 4th, the 55th anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And next week, we're going to be talking to Kimmy Jen about uh, uh, the schools and also uh, probably Kathy Wilmore about fathers and sons together as an event, an event that's coming up on the 29th as well. I want to thank Sound Transit's uh, Office of Civil Rights, uh, Equity and Inclusion, Board of Seattle's University Contracting Office, and the City of Seattle's Persons and Construction Services Department for their support for Urban Forum Northwest. And uh, Heywood, I'll be seeing you soon. So we got a lot of work to do. So I'll be talking with you. And Eric, I want to thank you very much for hanging in with us. So uh, Eddie Rye with Urban Forum Northwest. And you can hear us in about two hours, I think, uh, on Alexa. I think that's what Eric has hooked up for us. So we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>